Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. I am so thankful you're here this morning. I want to ask you, if you would, to take God's word and open it with me to the 23rd Psalm, to Psalm 23 here in the Bible. Last week, we began a brand new sermon series simply entitled, The Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd. And as we're looking to God's word, we're looking back in the Old Testament and we're walking through the 23rd Psalm where we're being reminded what the Good Shepherd is like and who he is. When we read through Psalm 23, we get all sorts of images that fill our mind as we think about peaceful, contented, fulfilled sheep. No doubt when we read these verses of scripture, we think about the sheep being led through the valley. We think about their care and we think about the beautiful green grass and the peaceful waters and the protection that they have. But the focus of Psalm 23 is not the sheep. It is actually the faithful, patient, gracious care of the Good Shepherd. If you missed last Sunday, I wanna encourage you to go online, go back and listen to that message. We focus on verse one, where David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because in that statement, we saw that that statement is a promise of the Good Shepherd's provision, but it's also a statement of the sheep's choice to say, listen, I recognize that my shepherd is the Good Shepherd. He loves me and he cares for me. And because he's a good and gracious manager, I choose to be content under his care. I am trusting in him. Today, we come to the second verse of Psalm 23. And as we do, I wanna preach to you this morning on the subject The good shepherd's peace. The good shepherd's peace. Now, as we look at this this morning, I just want to ask you a simple question. Do you have the good shepherd's peace in your heart and life today? Do you need his peace in your heart and life today? Regardless of how you answer those questions, there's much about the good shepherd that he wants to teach us here in verse two that I believe will encourage us and challenge us. But if we apply what is stated, it will bring us to a place of great peace. Now, somebody would ask, now, pastor, what is the point of this series? We're going so slowly, I mean, verse by verse through the book, uh, through the chapter, what is the point of studying the 23rd Psalm? Please understand, my hope when we get through this series is not that you will go out, look for a piece of land, buy it, and buy a bunch of sheep and become your own shepherd. That's not the motivation of this message. So you can breathe a sigh of relief, okay? But my hope is that we will capture a fresh vision of what it means to know Jesus as our shepherd. And that the result of that would be that we would have an appreciation for him, a love for him, and a devotion to him unlike we've ever experienced before. He's the good shepherd. Let's be sheep that follow the good shepherd. Amen? all over the building. Will you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? We're gonna read the entire chapter and then come back and focus on verse two. The Bible says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Look back to verse two. Can you say it out loud with me? As we read it loud and clear, I'm reading it from the translation of the NASB. It says it this way. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for the reminder that you, Jesus, are the good shepherd. Lord, I pray that we all know you personally as our shepherd, but I also pray that we would turn to you and trust in you today, that we might find rest and fulfillment in you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. There is little doubt who we are referring to when we speak of the good shepherd. Jesus himself said in John chapter 10, verses 10 through 11, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I find that statement, that promise, very interesting. I came, Jesus says, that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The reality is this morning, there are many things in the world that will offer you abundant life, abundant experiences, abundant wisdom, abundant pleasures, abundant wealth. But Jesus said, I came to offer you life abundant. I am the good shepherd. Here in Psalm 23, verse two, I believe we begin to understand what it means to experience that life abundant. Last week, we saw the importance of looking to the shepherd and trusting in his care, but this week, we see the result of trusting in his care. What happens when we live our life looking to Jesus and continually trusting in him? I believe in these two simple statements. God shows us what takes place in the heart and life of the believer or the sheep that continually looks to the shepherd. But there's also here an implication of some of the things that we'll wrestle with and be restless in if we refuse to look to the good shepherd. So I believe this morning there's two things that God wants us to see about the peace that he offers in our life. And we see it in this statement. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Both of these statements depict images of a sheep that is perfectly at peace. Here's the question. Are you at peace today? Two things in God's word I think God wants us to see. If you're ready to learn, would you say, all right? right. Number one, I want you to see the rest that he gives to those who trust. Think for a moment about the rest that the good shepherd gives to those who trust in him. The statement begins in a very uh, simple way that we would almost anticipate. David says, you make me lie down in green pastures. It is not a surprising thing to think about sheep having green pastures. But what seems odd in just a moment is that the reference of green pastures is not a reference to our eating, but largely a reference to our rest, our peace, if you will, our fulfillment. What David is saying largely is that the Lord has brought me to a place of satisfaction, a place of fulfillment, a place of rest in him. Unfortunately, there are many people in the world today that live their life without fulfillment, They live their life very restlessly, constantly wondering, constantly looking for something. 
The world around us would say, listen, you should live your life for you. You answer to no one but you. You can do whatever you want to do. Pursue this pleasure. Pursue this wealth. Pursue this person. Pursue this experience. But so often, we give in to those things. We listen to those lies. We listen to the temptations of our own flesh. We pursue those things only to find that they don't satisfy. They may bring pleasure for a moment. There might be exciting excitement and thrills for a moment. But in time, we find ourselves empty. We look for another experience. We look for the answer in somewhere else. There's got to be some other solution. But all along the way, we begin to find that we're completely in a place without peace. Jesus shows us here in Psalm 23, verse 2, David speaks and reminds us that the key to peace and the key to rest is found in Jesus. Let me ask you a question this morning. Anybody here need some rest? Some of us say, Pastor, absolutely. What do you think I'm doing while you're preaching? I'm closing my eyes for a reason. That, that's not what we're talking about here. The picture of rest here is not a picture of sleep necessarily, or not even a picture of, of laziness sitting back doing nothing with a glass of sweet tea or lemonade. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a sheep who is utterly content and satisfied to the extent that they can rest knowing that the shepherd's in control. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, Jesus. This is the invitation of the good shepherd. Come to me, all who are weary. Anybody there today? And heavy laden. Anybody burdened today? And I will give you, what's the word? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find, here's the word again, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's the picture of bringing all that weariness and all those heavy laden burdens, and you bring them to Jesus, finding rest for your souls. Because there's rest in your souls, there's rest in your spirit, there's rest in your heart, which brings the fulfillment and satisfaction that nothing else in this world can offer. Jesus says, you don't have to keep living an empty life. You don't have to keep pursuing this other temptation, this other false message from the world, this other thing. No, you just come to me and live for me and I will give you rest. I find this illustration very interesting because David, of course, understood sheep. David grew up in the home of his father who had sheep, and as a result of that, David would care for the sheep. And David knew some things about taking care of sheep, and he knew what it was like to be a shepherd. And as David gives this illustration, saying, listen, you make me lie down, you make me rest in green pastures, David understood something about sheep. Sheep do not naturally lie down unless certain conditions are met. In other words, sheep can be a very restless, fickled animal unless they have perfect peace under the care of their shepherd. In fact, if you begin to study the nature of sheep, and frankly, even if you begin to study scriptures, it's amazing to me the number of things that can hinder a sheep from resting. And I think when we begin to think about this in this context, we begin to realize these same things that cause a sheep to be restless also hinder our rest today. So, so what are those three things? Three things that hinder a sheep from being restful. And I want to ask you to think as you hear them, does this apply to me? Three things. Number one, fear hinders a sheep's rest. A sheep that is fearful will not readily lay down to rest. Here's a challenge with that. Sheep, by their very nature, are very timid and fearful animals. It does not take a whole lot to spook a sheep. 
One of the reasons that I like sheep and having our children be responsible taking care of them is because even the biggest of the sheep can be scared by my young daughter. I mean, even when she was five years old, I began to teach her, listen, if the ram ever acts like he's gonna buck at you, you just take your foot and stomp it down. It was hilarious watching my five-year-old daughter take her leg and stomp it down, and they'd back up, right? They're, they're fearful in that. I was reminded of that several years ago. We had moved here to Harrisonburg, and we had our sheep out in the pasture, and my in-laws from Maryland were coming to visit for the afternoon. And they called us on the way there to say, listen, we, we couldn't find anybody to, to sit with our dog, so we're bringing our dog with us. Hope that's okay. My first response was, yeah, that's fine. Bring him on. No big deal. They have a little dog. I don't know the breed of dog, but it's a type of terrier. And, and so literally what that means is he's about this long and he's about this tall, okay? But, but the problem is, is that he thinks he owns the place, wherever the place is, okay? And, and the other thing is he, he's what I would call a yappy dog, I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but he's, yep, 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 yep. he's as loud and as obnoxious as he can be. If my in-laws are watching, I love you, just not your dog. Anyway, <laughs> so his name is Piper, and inevitably, they pull it to our house. They open the back door. Piper jumps out. I mean, he jumps out like, here I am. I'm the boss. Bow and serve me. And so he hops out. He runs. He's not even at the fence, and he's yapping. Honest truth, he is so short to the ground and our grass is so tall, you could barely see him, but you could hear him. And just by hearing his bark, the sheep got terrified. They ran from the closest part of the field to the furthest part of the field. They got their backs against the fence and got into a defensive posture. And I'm looking at these animals thinking, these stupid sheep. I mean, the, either of the rams in the flock could easily take care of him and not to mention, they're separated by a four-foot-tall fence. Most of the sheep could not even see the dog. But the reality is, just by the sound, they were terrified, spooked, and they fled in fear. Until I walked to the fence. When I walked to the fence and called out the sheep, they immediately lifted their heads and found me. When they found where I was at calling for them, they slowly began to venture out into the pasture again. I kept talking to them, and they began to eat, and finally, they were okay. Now, we did not let the dog go out anymore after that, but the point is, they were in a total matter of terror and panic until they heard the shepherd's voice. How often it is, is it in our own lives? I know we don't like to think of our fears. We don't want to acknowledge them. We don't want to think of ourselves as sheep because they're not the smartest animals in the flock. But the reality is, many times we get restless, anxious, worried because we are afraid. And what the Lord is calling us to do in the situation of our life, especially those moments of trouble, so we got to look to him. We got to listen to his voice. And as a result of that, we can find peace in our soul. I find it interesting that this same David, who would experience all sorts of things that could cause him fear, David would experience the fear as a young boy growing up raising sheep. He would experience the fear of predators that would come to try to attack the flocks, and on few occasions, he would defeat those predators. David saw fear firsthand when he went to the battle lines and he saw his brothers and he saw the other armies of Israel literally cowering in fear as Goliath stood there barking in orders and mocking the God of Israel. But David ran forward with courage. David would know the fear of fearing that his sin would be exposed. 
David would also know the fear of wondering how his sin, how he'd covered it up, how he'd hidden it, how it would affect his family and the generations to follow. David would live in fear, wondering whether his child would live or die. David knew fear. And yet in the midst of those fear, he would say, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Well, how does a fearful sheep become a fearless sheep? I think the answer is found in Psalm 27. Listen to these words of scripture, verses one through three. David testified, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and they fell. Though a whole host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. That's, that's crazy. How does he go from the fears that he would face to saying, no, I will not fear. My confidence is in the shepherd. I think the answer is found in verse eight of that passage. Here's what he says. When you said, Lord, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. The key to overcoming fear in the Christian life is literally in seeking the Lord Jesus, in looking to him, in listening for his voice, because then we can have confidence that he is with us, and as a result of that, it doesn't matter what may come. We know the shepherd is leading us and guiding us along the way. Paul would say it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 1, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Shepherd Philip Keller said it this way, the idea of a sound mind is that of a mind at ease, at peace, not perturbed or harassed or obsessed with fear or foreboding for the future. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel restless with fear today? If so, look to the shepherd. Listen for his voice. Come and draw near to him and he will give you rest. The second thing that hinders a sheep from rest is this. Friction hinders a sheep from having rest. Anybody here today feeling friction with someone else? Don't answer that out loud. Ladies, quit pointing fingers at your husband, okay? That's not what we're talking about right now. Friction with others can hinder our rest. That is true in a flock of sheep. Now, there are times, as we'll see in a moment, that sheep can be very, um, rams especially, can be competitive and have rivalry amongst them. But this is not just a ram issue. This could be a ram or a you, but generally speaking, in the flock, it is very common for the older and bigger sheep to butt the smaller and weaker sheep. It has been said by some that chickens have a pecking order and sheep have a butting order. I don't know if that's true or not, okay? But, but the idea here in the picture is, is that it is not uncommon in the flock for there to be times where there is, if you will, uh, uh, territorial uh, arguments and conflicts and frictions that occur along the way. When I was first beginning to raise sheep, I, I thought to myself that uh, most likely this was because the older ones were just showing the younger ones who's boss. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. And then as I watched it sometimes, I thought, well, maybe the, maybe the smaller sheep have found some good grazing land and the older ones want it or something. So they get them out. The honest truth is, I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason, but here's what I do know. Where there's a flock, where there is conflict, where there is friction, it creates a very tense environment for the entire flock. That's especially true when you've got rams that are in a place of rivalry against each other. I mentioned to you last week that we had this little, little, little ram that was born and 
we had to nurse him. And he was born about the time that a Star Wars movie came out. And he had a black face, so we named him Vader. And as long as he was little, we also had another ram in the flock. As long as he was little, everything was fine. But eight to nine months in, he wasn't so little anymore. And as soon as he started getting big, the big ram didn't like it. And so they would kind of butt at each other a little bit. I had to separate them for a while. Then we went to a different area of pasture where there was a lot more grass. And so I thought with having a lot more grass, they wouldn't be as competitive. So, so I put them all together until one day I looked out and I, I looked at them. It was a mixture of an, of an old Western and a football scene all in the same field. But as God is my witness, these sheep basically, they got each other. They, they, have, they have like horns that were growing at this time. And our breed of sheep doesn't keep, keep horns normal, but they're kind of growing temporarily. And, and these rams kind of got close to each other. And then they backed up like you'd see in a Western. And I don't know what the charge was. I don't know what the communication was. But as soon as one of them started, they're hoo, 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 bam, button heads, just like football. It, it was like, this is amazing. It was, it was so, I was like, this is horrible, but this is cool. I mean, it's cool, right? And I'm telling, they would butt heads and just go at it. And then after they'd butt heads, they would lean up against each other. And then all of a sudden they look like more like sumo wrestlers, you know, like trying to figure it out. It was crazy. They would continue in this place of friction and the entire flock would be unsettled. The ewes aren't eating. The lambs have kind of backed away because these guys are competitive and they're butting heads and they're at rivalry. And they would stay that way until I would go outside. Actually, it was either me or Mac. Mac's voice is very similar to mine whenever he would speak in that way. We'd go to the edge of that fence. We'd call the sheep and instantly the conflict would stop. Instantly, they'd lift their heads. They'd find the shepherd. Instantly, they'd come to the edge of the fence. It was amazing. As soon as they got their attention on the shepherd, all the petty conflict stopped. All the friction went by the wayside. They weren't fighting anymore. They weren't fussing anymore. Immediately, they're looking to the shepherd. And as soon as they looked to the shepherd, not only did it protect them, but guess who's now at ease? All the ewes and all the lambs that were all disheveled along the way, they're now at peace to begin eating again. It is a powerful picture to us that oftentimes in our life, I know you're like, oh, those are, those are stupid sheep, Pastor. That would never be us. Yeah, we would never butt heads. I mean, we, we've got self-control, right? We, we, we've got, we've got, we know how to admit our wrongs, how to be humble, how to seek reconciliation. We never have conflict with each other. No, no, the reality is, is that all we like sheep have gone astray. You, you know, God describes us in that context as a flock. He's the shepherd, we're the sheep. There's a lot of similarities there. He also describes us as the family of God. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen a family that didn't have any conflict at all? Maybe, but highly unlikely. As we do life together, there are gonna be times that we see things differently. We may not agree on everything. We've got different personalities. We've got different backgrounds. We've got different experiences, different hurts and different wounds. We've got all these different things. The reality is there's gonna be some conflict along the way. But the key to overcoming that is not in assuming that we're right or assuming the other person's wrong. The key to overcoming that is by keeping our attention on the good shepherd. I love the words of the old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. Why is it that often the Christian life, we look full in his wonderful face until we feel good, and then we're like, oh, but oh, but Lord, this person, get him, get him. 
Look full in his wonderful face and all the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Friction is a hindrance to our rest. No wonder David would say in that same Psalm, Psalm 27, listen to these words in verse four. One thing I have asked from the Lord and this I shall seek. Let me ask you for a moment. If you're in a moment with friction with someone, if you could ask one thing of the Lord, what would you ask? God, show them how right I am. Just show them right now. God, let them know the error of their ways. Lord, 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 you know this message is for them. Help them to hear it somehow. Listen to what David said. One thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. David's, David's focus in this moment of fear and of friction was not, God, get them, God, show them, God, they need them. His focus was, Lord, help me to focus on you. Help me to dwell in your holy temple, to meditate on your ways. Help me to be overwhelmed with your grace and your presence and your glory in my life. Oh God, may I always be focused on you. May the same be true in our own hearts and lives today. May we be reminded in moments, especially of conflict, listen, that people are not our enemy. Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, when conflict comes and it inevitably will, we must be reminded that brothers and sisters in Christ, we are not enemies, but we do have an enemy. Ephesians 6 says it this way, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Listen to this statement. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Our enemy is not one another. Even in moments of conflict, in moments of strain, in moments of friction, we must recognize it is the enemy, Satan himself, that's doing all that he can to distract and to divide and to destroy. Philip Keller said it this way, it is the shepherd's presence that puts an end to all rivalry. In our human relationships, when we become acutely aware of being in the presence of Christ, our foolish, selfish snobbery and rivalry will end. It is the humble heart walking quietly and contently in the close and intimate companionship of Christ that is at rest. Question, are you at rest? Are you looking to the shepherd? Third thing I want you to see this morning that's a hindrance to our rest is simply this. Food deprivation hinders our rest. A sheep that is hungry will not rest. A sheep that is hungry, a sheep that is not getting the, the, the nourishment, the sustenance that it needs on a regular basis, it will wander and it will walk from one side of the field to the other constantly, continually looking for something because they are unfulfilled. Many people in life today are restless because they are unfulfilled. They assume their lack of fulfillment is due to some lack that someone else has provided. But the reality is, God shows us as his sheep, there is one place to go for that fulfillment, and that is to go to the Lord Jesus Christ for the nourishment, for the feed, for the water, for the things that he provides for our well-being. Here in this pastor scripture, we're reminded of that image that we need food and we need nourishment. We need that which is healthy in order for us to be satisfied to be able to be at rest. 
It is a picture of our fulfillment in Jesus. You know, some people who would look at sheep and kind of study their ways would say, you know, sheep are always hungry. How could they ever be satisfied? And the truth is, it often does seem, even as a shepherd, it seems that way. Because a sheep, normally by the time I wake up in the morning, they're out in the field already roaming and eating. Different points throughout the day, they're roaming and eating. At nighttime, when you go inside the house because the sun's going down, they're roaming and eating at that time. Sheep spend actively seven hours a day eating. Could you imagine how big we'd be if we spent seven hours a day just shoveling it in? I mean, just crazy, crazy. It seems like they have an unquenchable appetite. But if you put that in perspective, that means there's a good bit of time throughout the day that they are largely satisfied and filled. David here says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. The picture here literally is of a sheep that has taken in so much nourishment that they become so full that they're satisfied and they're in a place of deep contentment, deep rest. I think of that and my mind goes to something that happened just last week in our in our little, our little area, our house. We, we, we've been working on our field. I've been working on our field for a while to try to have the grass be thicker and all that stuff because we're getting ready for some additional sheep this, this hopefully this coming fall. And as a result of that, our grass is probably right now thicker than it's ever been and greener than it's ever been. It's like a great situation. And, and we've, got, we've got one ram, like one dominant sheep in that context. So he's got a whole field to eat from basically. Last week, I, I woke up in the morning and I began to talk to Heather. I'm drinking a cup of coffee and I'm looking out. And normally at this time, I would see him out eating. But in this moment, he's on the far end of the field, laid out, I mean, just laid out completely. And I'm thinking, oh no. My very first thought was, I wonder if we had a coyote attack last night. So I ran out onto the back porch and I hollered, Vader! Nothing. I run down the back porch stairs. I'm halfway through the yard. Vader! Nothing. Go to the far edge of the fence as close as I can get to him without going into the pasture. And finally, I said again, Vader! And lifts his head and looks at me like, what? <laughs> he gets up. He walks to the front. Of, I mean, walks to the top of that fence right to where I'm at. He walks slow. and like he, He's in perfect health. But he walks slow as if to tell me like, I'm coming. You wait. You wait a minute, jerk. He gets to me, and, and all, literally all he did, <laughs> I, I can't speak sheep, he just looked at me like, why are you waking me up? Like if I were calling you this morning at like four o'clock in the morning, just be like, hey, just checking on you, how you doing? That's about how you'd feel. And, and, I, and I walked back to the house just kind of laughing about this situation because I was there thinking, well, I've never seen him sleep like that. Why is he sleeping like that? He's sleeping like that because he has all the food that he needs. And because he has the nourishment that he needs, he is satisfied quicker than normal. And as a result of that, he is resting earlier than normal. That joker in the past week has been getting huge, okay? Why? Because he's in a place of health. In a similar way, when we come to realize that the Lord is all we need, when we begin to realize, listen, I don't need all these pleasures in the world. I don't need what, uh, we ought to always see the look, well, what does science say? What do the experts say? What do the president say? What does this person say? What do my buddies say? When we get to the point where we realize we need to look to Jesus and we say, what does his word say? How is he leading? How is he guiding? When we find our nourishment and our food from him, it is amazing how it brings true satisfaction and fulfillment. Think of this for just a moment, though. 
When David said, he makes me lie down in green pastures, we just kind of take that for granted. We just think the green pasture suddenly appeared. We're not thinking about all the work that it required of the shepherd to provide the nourishment. In that day, most of the sheep cultures in that day were very dry lands. Bethlehem, for example. Bethlehem was not known for its pastures. It was a dry, dusty, rocky area. In order for there to be green pastures, for example, the shepherd had to go and literally remove weeds and wheats. He had to remove rocks. He had to plant seed. He had to make sure there was sufficient water. There was a lot of care and attention that had to be given to make sure the sheep had the nourishment that they need. In the same way, Jesus went to great lengths to make sure that we have the nourishment that we need. He came literally from heaven to give his life for us. Why? Because he understood that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. No wonder then Jesus described himself in John chapter six as the bread of life. He's describing for us the fact that he's the one that we need. He's the one that we partake of. He's the one that we feast in so that we might grow and be nourished in him. Jesus said in John chapter six, verse 33 through 35, for the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and has given life to the world. They said to him, the Lord always give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. Here's the question. Have you partaken of the bread of life? Jesus, are you daily partaking of the bread of life? Getting in his word, reading letting him guide you, letting him lead you? Are you daily sitting down with the Lord to learn from him and be nourished and fed by him? It's amazing to me how quickly we understand our need for physical nourishment, but spiritually how quick we are to ignore our need for spiritual nourishment. No wonder so many of us live restlessly, unfulfilled, discontent, empty, fearful, with conflict, constant issue, when the reality is we need God's word every day to lead us and guide us, to nourish us and strengthen us. I love the imagery of Psalm 119 when the Bible says it this way in this progression of verses. Verse 103, Lord, how sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. That's how sweet God's word should be to us. Verse 130 through 131, the unfolding of your word, it gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. So I opened my mouth wide and I panted. I longed for your commandments. When was, when was the last time you longed for the word of God? God, lead me in your word. God, show me the truth of who you are. God, would you guide me and direct me, convict me in whatever ways it's needed. Lord, I'm longing and panting for your word. Verse 165, those who love your law have great peace. Could it be for so many of us that the absence of peace in our life is indicative of a greater problem and that greater problem is that we're not truly longing for the Lord and his word? The second thing I want you to see this morning, if you're still with me, would you say amen? amen. We see the rest that God gives to those who trust in him, but finally, we see the refreshment for those who sit with him. Those who are willing in the midst of all the busyness, life is busy, isn't it? I don't know that there's ever been more going on. I feel like there's a million things happening in the world today. And not only the context of the big scale, but even our own individual lives. But those who are willing in their life, in the midst of all the ruckus and all the chaos and all the different things, to make it a priority to sit still with the Lord, to, to be willing to park it and just focus on the Lord. It is amazing 
how the Lord gives the refreshment that we need. We see that in this statement where he says, you make me lie down in green pastures, you lead me beside quiet waters. This word for lead literally means to lead gently. If you've ever been around sheep or if you've ever seen a shepherd with a sheep, the fact of the matter is you can't lead sheep by force. You can try to drive sheep a certain direction like you might drive cattle, but I'm telling you without contained parameters, they're gonna scatter all over. It's like herding cats, okay? Just not, not a good idea. The way you lead a sheep is you, you talk to them gently, you walk slowly with patience, you walk out in front of them, and you just keep calling them, and you walk. And they literally will follow you just about anywhere you're leading them to. You're just leading gently, calling them, pleading with them, assuring them, comforting them, encouraging them, but just leading them gently forward. And the sheep follow the shepherd. The scripture says, you lead me, the picture is gently beside quiet waters. Well, why is that important? It's important because sheep are terrified of moving water. Any water that has too much movement, too, too much rapid, so to speak, too much stirring, they're terrified of, and they literally will abstain from it. They will not drink from it. Last week, I shared with you all when we were in Christiansburg how I, had, I took some old pallets. They were about 12 feet long and four feet tall. I flipped them up on their side and I used that as fence panels. It was awesome because it was free. Hallelujah, okay? So I used that, that was my fence. But what I didn't tell you was that that entire field was only fenced on three sides. There was a fence that separated my house from the pasture. Then there was a fence on the front side of the field that separated the field from the road. And there was a fence on the opposite side that separated my field from my neighbor's field. But on the back of the pasture, there wasn't a fence at all. You know why? Because there was water. There was a creek. In fact, there was a winding creek that was about 12 to 15 feet wide. It was never like, you know, it was never like white water or anything like that. It was never turbulent except for when we got heavy rain. It was just winding, but the water was moving fast enough that the sheep would not get near it. In fact, I learned that the very first week we had sheep because I was thinking, this is great. They'll drink from it and I will never even have to water them. This is awesome, less work for me. But then I learned by watching them as I would try to bring them close, every time we get close to the water, they'd back away from it. And so I realized, man, if, if I don't have a way to get them fresh water, this is gonna be a, a really challenging task because of how far it was from the house. So it dawned on me, you know what? If I dig a trench in this area and if I dam up the water to where the water will come in this place, there'll be some, a little bit of movement, but really small, this will be a place I can drink. So I remember working, I dug down this hole, I made its own trench, I had a stream of fresh water that was flowing into it and it was slowly flowing out the back end of it. But the point is, it was a constant place of fresh drinking water. And I remember the first time I was trying to get the sheep to drink from it. Every time I'd get close, here's what they would do. All they would see was the big creek. They, they would see the movement and they would get skittish and they would get scared. And so finally one day I got the ram, our ram, and I would offer him feed and I'd offer him feed. You know what I was doing? I was totally bribing him. That's exactly what I was doing. And finally, when he got his face within a few feet of the water, this might sound harsh, but it's the honest truth. I put my arm over him and I brought his head to the water. And he began to drink. He began to drink. It was almost like he was like, hey, this is pretty good. This is great. I backed away. And as soon as I backed away, 
All the youths followed in curiosity. What was he doing? And they began to drink. I never once had to teach them that again, but here's what I found in that moment. Isn't it like that so often in our life? The Lord is leading us in a path. He's leading us in a direction. And all of a sudden we look and we think we know the outcome. We think we know the future because in our minds we think we're almost like God. I see where this is going. I don't like that. That's uncomfortable. That's not what I want. And we're so focused on the raging water. We're so focused on all the turbulence and all the movement that we're missing that in the midst of it all, the Lord said, hey, listen, come here. I've made a place for you right here. There's fresh water here. I I know you're scared. I know you're tired. I know you don't understand. but, But I've got a place of refreshment right here. Won't you sit with me for a moment? And there as we come to him, as we pour out our heart in prayer, as we take in his word, as we take a moment in the midst of all the crazy of life. the creek, Listen, th- that creek is still flowing today. Life's gonna keep getting crazy. It's gonna keep flowing. There's gonna be turbulence. There's gonna be movement. There's gonna be, these ra- there's gonna be all these scares. It's our choice that we must make, our priority to hear the voice of the shepherd, to find that still place and there be refreshed and nourished in him. I think of that illustration I'm reminded in Jeremiah chapter two of the sobering rebuke that God gave the people of Israel when God said this, be appalled, O heavens, at this and shudder, be very desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. I wonder in a similar way if it would be said of us today that due to the temptations of our own flesh, the pressures of the world, our lack of priority and focus and trust in the good shepherd How many times have we resisted the refreshing water that he offers? Not only have we resisted it, but how often have we tried to find our fulfillment, our refreshment in some other cistern, some other source? Friend, I'm telling you today, there is nothing and no one that can satisfy you like Jesus He alone is the good shepherd. He alone is the bread of life. He alone is the living water. The longer you try to find another source, you're going to find every single time it's a broken cistern. It'll never satisfy. Philip Keller, the former shepherd and pastor, said it this way. In the Christian life, it is more than passing significance to observe that those who are often the most serene most confident and able to cope with life complexities are those who rise early each day to feed on God's word. It is in the quiet early hours of the morning that they're led beside the quiet still waters where they imbibe the very life of Christ for the day. One comes away from these hours of meditation, reflection, and communion with Christ, refreshed in mind and in spirit. The thirst is slaked, that is, it is quenched, And the heart is quietly satisfied. You know, it's amazing to me how many times and how many ways the world is giving its image and its glimpse of what a fulfilled life looks like. 
But Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Friend, we can find rest, we can find refreshment, we can find fulfillment in him. No matter the friction, no matter the fear, no matter the struggle, if we're willing to turn to him and live for him. The question is, is he your shepherd? And are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to make him, being with him, learning from him, the priority of your daily life? And I believe you'll find as you do, there will be peace. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for the time that we have together. I thank you, Lord, for the incredible imagery and the lessons that we learn from this relationship between you, the good shepherd, and us as your sheep. Lord, we realize today that that relationship is not automatic. We were not just physically born into it. The only way we can be a part of your flock, your fold, so to speak, is by trusting in Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. So Lord, I pray today that if there's anyone here today that is not certain that you are their shepherd, that today will be a day of repentance, where they repent of sins, and a day of trust, where they trust you, Jesus, to be their Savior. But Lord, for those of us here today who are saved, we, we're grateful because we do know you as our good shepherd. I pray that today would be a day where we realize that our rest and refreshment comes only from you. May we not seek to find fulfillment in the various things the world says or even the various temptations of our old flesh. But Lord, may today we realize the key to fulfillment is found in living for you. It's found in walking with you. So Lord, even as a sheep needs daily food and daily water for it to be healthy and to grow and to reproduce, God, I pray that today we would realize in order for us to be healthy spiritually, in order for us to grow spiritually, in order for us to reproduce spiritually, it's impossible without us too drawing near to be fed and to be nourished by you. So Lord, today, would you give us that conviction? Would you give us that burden? Would we respond by turning to you? I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.